Hello and welcome to another episode of And The Winner Is, where we take a look back at the previous winners of the Oscar for Best Picture. This time around we're going back to 1979 and The Deer Hunter, uh, released in the US on December the 8th, 1978. Directed by Michael Camino, it's also, it starred Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep, John Cazale in his last role, uh, John Savage, who some people might know from Star Trek Voyager, <laughs> and Christopher Walken. Joining me as always is my co-host Paul, who unfortunately is a little bit uh, under the weather at the moment because we're he's still suffering the after from uh, early ravages of COVID-19 after yep. avoiding it for the best part of two years. Yeah, so, mate, I'm, yeah I'm all right. Tired, but I'm... Uh... I'm getting there. I've got a week's holiday coming up shortly, so I'll be able to recover, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Um, I'm going to break the fourth wall now and admit that we kind of record two of these back to back during the month, don't we? So we're actually recording yeah. this as well as our Parasite one on, on the night of the Oscars. So we sort of got sort of slight excitement as well to see what, what's going to come up towards the end of the podcast. We'll probably shove it on the end at some point <laughs> uh, uh, when we get to the end of all of these, depending on when it comes out in the draw. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it'll be popped on the on the list for not next month, obviously, because we're recording this before the winner's been announced. So it'll be added to the list for drawing for May. Yeah, yeah. So we'll probably dive straight into that one, won't we? And we'll, we'll skip. We'll 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 drop the random draw for one of the one of the films that month, and we'll go straight into it. I'm just I'm just fingers crossed. I, it's not Coda because that's an Apple film, I believe. <laughs> so, uh. Yeah, so uh, as I we was saying, so uh, yes, we're looking at uh, the Deer Hunter tonight. Uh, box office, Paul, any ideas on against against his budget of fifteen million? Um, I would imagine it probably. Well, I don't know. Um, De Niro was quite a big draw, wasn't it, at that point? I, don't know, I think we're uh, looking we're looking domestically at this one as well. I'm talking about. Yeah. Apparently, it's sort of it's listed online. It took around forty nine million. I guess that must have been domestically. Yeah, it's about fifteen million, and it did overrun on the budget as well at the time, apparently. Um, so, for the films it was up against that year, uh, Coming Home, which is another Vietnam film, Heaven Can Wait, which I've seen, which is Warren Beatty, uh, Midnight Express, which I still have never seen after all these years, and An Unmarried Woman, which I've never seen. So, this was a year where we only had five nominees. Um, a few facts about the film. Uh, co-writer and director of Camino convinced Christopher Walken to spit in Robert De Niro's face. This is a scene near the end of the film. Um, when Walken actually did it, De Niro was totally shocked, which you can actually see in, in, in the scene. Um, but apparently he was so furious, he nearly left the set. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, and in a similar vein, the, um, the slapping in the Russian roulette sequences in Vietnam was apparently 100% authentic as well. Uh, and the actors got very antsy by the constant slapping, which again added to the naturalism of the scenes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Not even the motion they went through through the grill on this one. Yeah. Um, one sad piece I said in the intro that uh, John Cazale, one of the cast, was very weak with lung cancer when filming began, and, and for that reason, all his films scenes were filmed first. Um, apparently, Camino did know from the start that Kazali was dying from cancer, but the studio didn't. Um, they found out and wanted to replace him. Um, Meryl Streep learned to their intentions and she threatened to quit if they did. So um, that's all really sad because apparently, I saw it because Kazali died in March 78, shortly after filming had finished, and never saw the complete film, sadly. Um, it's always a shame, I think, when, when you when some 
passes away like that and never got to see their last bit of work. Definitely. Yeah. Interestingly, all the scenes were shot on location. There wasn't a single soundstage in the film. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's science, I think. Yeah. Um, and going back to the fact that the, the, the cast went through the, through the grinder a bit on this, um, there's a scene where, where Stephen, played by Savage, John Savage, he's sort of stuck in the water going, Michael, there's rats in here, Michael. Um, he's actually, apparently, him actually yelling at the director, Michael Camino, because of his fear of rats in the water and he wanted to pull him out of the water because <laughs> he looked so real they kept it in I think blimey this is just oh yeah. it's just a they really put the cast through the ringer on this didn't they uh, De Niro actually apparently claimed it was his most physically exhausting film and I'm not surprised <laughs> um, and uh, just one final note is that the film is it's one thing I was going to mention in the film. It's quite hard to place it in terms of when you watch the film, but apparently it takes place in 1967, 68, and 75, and I guess that's drawn from, from news articles and stuff like that. Um, and finally, when walking the Russian roulette scene, he was apparently remembering being sent to summer camp by his parents, which he hated. Um, he felt betrayed and ostracised and, and drew on that to sort of explore his character in the film. And he, he does look really uncomfortable in, in the roulette scene. Anyway, so, so those are just a few throwaway facts in the film. And let me just jump in and get some of our initial thoughts on it. Um, I've forgotten this was, I, I actually should say, I've watched this in its entirety only recently for the first time a couple of years ago. So having never seen it all the way through ever, I've seen it twice now in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> um, because he, and I, again, I forgot, I had for some reason thought it was a Warner Brothers film. It's actually Universal, which we see come up in the old yeah. Film. Universal logo. Yeah, the then, old Universal MCA logo. Yes, yes, of course. Um, and we get probably one of the most, I would say, most familiar title scores uh, in Hollywood history from the start of this. Um, it's, it's a piece that you hear play quite a bit on, on shows and stuff like that. Um, it's a really haunting sort of theme tune to open the film with, I think. Um, what did you think of that that theme? Yeah, it's uh, the, the music is very strange throughout this this film because we get those, and it's it's one of my early notes uh, the the kind of religious tone to the music when they're hunting. I, yeah. So it, it's it's a very strange score throughout. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I don't think it was actually nominated. Well, I don't do some research earlier today. It wasn't among the short, the, the final list of uh, nominees, so it's quite interesting, given how powerful the theme tune is. Yeah. The, the, the score itself completely didn't get nominated. Um, you get that, that, that open sequence, though, when they, which goes on for quite a while, when they're in that smelting pan, you could actually feel the heat almost from that. It's really just... Yeah. And that was literally my my first note was this is grim and grimy right from the word go. Yeah, yeah. You grim. you feel what they're going through throughout yeah. the film. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, you do. Yeah. Um, you get that early nice impressive sort of nice fluffy beard on on De Niro at that point. Yeah. It seemed with a beard in many films. <laughs> this is right back early in his. No, film. it took me a while to realise it was him. Now I knew he was in it. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder where De Niro is. 
And it wasn't until <laughs> they come out that I went, that's Bob De Niro with a beard. What's going on? And lighter mm. colour hair. Yes. As well. Yeah. Blonde, yeah. There's <laughs> um, also this, um, she wanted to see the other sort of the supporting cast as well. And there's also an actor in it called Apollo who runs the bar called George Sunza. And the only other thing I was ever really aware of him from was Basic Instinct. <laughs> he played, he played um, Nick's partner, Gus. Who yeah. doesn't enter. <laughs> uh, and I, I, but he's been around, it turns out when I watched this a couple of years ago, that he's been around for years. And I'm really only ever aware of him from Basic Instinct, maybe one or two other things. Um, there's an early scene that's set on the sort of some characterization in Mike as well, where he tries to bypass that truck. I thought, oh, yeah. Down the right, down the wall side of trying to pass a truck just to get to the pub quicker than nothing for a bet. Um, it was interesting. One thing I noticed from the, the entirety of this opening, they're obviously setting up for, the, for this wedding that they're all going to, is that they're working on is a wedding on a work day or they're all work yeah. on the same day as the wedding. Yeah. And, and it's the fact that they have the wedding and then they go hunting. Yeah, literally straight yeah. afterwards in some of, them, some of them are still in their morning suits. Yeah. In their car. <laughs> so it's like, I'll go to work, I'll get married, and then I'll go off with my mates for a weekend. Yeah. So, so I took it that it was like it must have been a wedding on a Friday or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And then sort of in the evening sort of way. But also, I couldn't quite tell whether it was an Orthodox wedding or whether it was Jewish wedding or what. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've said, I had a search for the the film this morning just to yeah to look at a couple of bits and one of literally type in deer hunter and one of the questions is what religion is the merit is the wedding and really look yeah but literally it must be a lot of people feel exactly the same mm. yeah yeah because there's orthodox elements to the service bit but then the party's got this sort of times like this sort of jewish celebration yeah in terms of just, and, but orthodox again as well and yeah Maybe it's a multi-denomination. <laughs> uh, we also get a nice sort of song pop up at this point. I love you, baby. So oh, I sort of sat there singing the brain, singing to the screen at that. Uh, it's interesting as well that it's never ex it's, uh, explicitly explained, but you see the pictures up on the wall that they've already received their call-ups at this point yeah. when we first meet them, that yeah. they already know that they're going to Vietnam and this is how this part of this first sort of hour setup of the film. Yeah. And, and I will say here that the, the hour of setup is is overly long. It is it is very very long actually. Yes, it, it and it doesn't gonna... really give you other than setting up the friendships that we're going to see play out later on in the film. It mm. doesn't give us a huge amount to the story. Mm. Mm. Um, I feel it could have easily have been cut down by 15, 20 minutes, and it mm. wouldn't have lost anything. Um, no. And in no. a three hour film that people tend to class as a war film there's very little war in it yeah for the most yeah. part um and and this overly long first hour makes mm. it feel like there's even less mm. Mm. yes because when we get to vietnam it's, it's quite a short sequence yeah uh, we sort of see sort of see them out in the field. Next thing you know, they're being captured. And in fact, it's yeah. one that I was going to mention at this point. There's this really strange sort of editorial choice of quick, sort of like with these sort of really quick cuts in the story. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're peppered throughout the film. There's one later on where um, Mike goes to see Stephen in the um, 
in the hospital, and the next week he's pushing him in the chair and taking him home. Next thing you know, he's getting on, he's off an helicopter back in Hanoi. Yeah. And there are these really strange sort of finishes to scenes to set up a cut for the next one. And, and sticking with Stephen as well, once we get to, obviously, um, after Nick has died and we get the funeral, Stephen seems more than happy to be at home again. Mm. Yet, not yeah. 20 minutes before, he was absolutely fuming about having to go home. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was it was one little technical thing. I did have some sort of frustration with it watching the film again the second. I hadn't noticed it so much the first time around, but when we were analysing a bit more, it did sort of stand out for me the second time a bit more. And it sort of, uh, narratively, it didn't really have a problem. It's, it's a very sort of strange choice, to sort of just, the way they yeah. cut those completely leaps forward in, in, in the time frame. Um, I love that bit at the wedding where, where there's the woman that's staring at Mike as he's sort of staring at, um, at Meryl's character. <laughs> she's completely oblivious to her. And the next time we see her, she's actually dancing with Nick. <laughs> yeah. Work her way around the wedding somewhere to find yeah. something available. <laughs> and, then, and then saying that, it's uh, Christopher Walken showing off his dancing skills way before uh, the Fat Boy Slim video. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I did. I'm just going working through this. I've got written down here, Noddy De Niro, and I couldn't think for a second what it was about. <laughs> it's just it's that bit at the end of the wedding party. You know? He goes again just before they go to the now, and he's just running down the street, completely starkest. <laughs> Yeah, and I actually, I actually really like the fact that De Niro is playing a less um, like standoffish character that we've seen before. He's a little bit more light-hearted at times through this. Obviously, we get the the stuff towards the end when he's he's suffering with his PTSD and mm. and stuff like that. But there's some really great comedic moments from him in this film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we finally after after that that story with his rundown, we finally get to them. Actually, we actually get to see the deer hunter deer hunting. Yeah, uh, uh, sort of this final sort of hunt before they flee off. And because one of the things in there is is is, is very much is made of Casale's character just not turning up with anything other than a pistol. Yeah, and it's only really towards the end of the film you you find out why there's so much emphasis on this pistol element of the film. Yeah. Um, well, through the um, through the Russian roulette and onto what he does at the end when he pulls the gun on him, and yeah, you really aren't sure whether he's actually going to shoot him or not. Yeah, because he that that's clearly there's a bit of PS, PTSD in him as well in Mike still, yeah. and you think, oh shit, but um, but it, that was quite nicely paid off towards the end of the film. I thought that, that early setup with, with this yeah. sort of this yeah thing. definitely. I did I, at this point. I am going to point out. I found it really bizarre that they were carting the deer on the front of the car. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it just, it looked, looked bizarre. And yeah. Don't tell me that people went into the, into the mountains, shot a deer, stuck it on the front of their car and then drove back to the city with it sitting mm. there. No yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think now we're sort of getting in that this, it's very much this film is set up in three acts. In, yeah, in like only sort of three hour sections, aren't they? Really, yeah, and we'll get that then that first section where um, we've had some setup, we've had all the relationships. We, we soon we're not quite sure where Meryl Streep's interest or her character lies. 
Um, one end, she seems to be interested in Nick, but she also seems to be interested in Mike. And you know, is that yeah. play out? Uh, and then we get really one of the first notable jump cuts I was talking about. Is they're all they get back to the bar and they're having that nice moment on the piano. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, we're seeing explosions from Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, and that first scene in Vietnam is is horrible. Mm. First of all, he throws the grenade in the hiding place. Oh, yes, nasty. Then he kills yes. the woman and the baby. Yeah, the climb out, yeah. But uh, then at least we get Mike with the flamethrower. That is brutal as well, isn't it? It's, yeah. Oh, it's, it's yeah. really visceral. Yeah. And, and the, the other film... thing... Sorry, Curtis. Just the other thing I was going to bring up there, when we get the, the scene of them all coming down to help him, I'm not convinced there's not some real footage in there. Well... Later on in the film, there are bits and pieces of stock footage from Vietnam cut in there, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's noticeable. Yeah, it's very noticeable throughout that scene when they all come to, to rescue them. Mm. Yeah, there's a slight, um, slight difference in quality film there. There are some stock yeah. footage. Mm. But yeah, but that, that whole sequence of the villagers is sort of, is, is horrid. Um and again, then we get another of those cuts where one minute there's you see all the um, the VC coming across the sort of field, and they're on the floor. And the next thing you know, they're in a yeah in a bamboo cell in the river. <laughs> yep. Where, where's the bit where they actually got captured then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it kind of feels like they possibly filmed it and it didn't come out right. And they went, you know what? We'll just leave it out. Yeah, well, the film did the sort of overrun, like saying went over budget and stuff. So there, yeah. there are, so I don't know whether they were deliberate cut choice, jump cut choices, or whether it's just the way that it came together in the editing room or not. But they they do become sort of a bit jarring after a while. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, in most, you don't need to see the wares and all every bit of everything that happens in a film to our characters. But it's just they 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 I find them a little bit jarring in this for some reason. I don't know. Um, but you also get, oh, we mentioned at the start, the sort of the, the years this covers, and you do get that feeling when you see them, and they've been there for a while, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, they definitely. They look so bored and, and, and worn out and tired, and, and Steve's clearly losing it. Nick, yeah. at this point, doesn't seem, he still seems to have his head on at, at the moment, uh, but Steve's clearly struggling. And uh, But again, we, we partly see some of that performance is actually real from John Savage. No bloody surprise. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> scared of rat. Exactly. Uh, and then we get those infamous Russian roulette sequences, um, which I think it's it one of the bits of the film I'd seen in the past before watching it in full. Um, and it's horrible, that whole sequence. It, it's just. Yeah. Uh, I know the film gets a lot of flack or got a lot of flack over the years for the way that the. Um, it's very simplistic. It's the American good guy, Americans versus the sort of horrible Kong, uh, and that they aren't portrayed very nicely in this at all. Um, so I, I can understand some of the flack the film has got over the years, um, but also on the flip side, they allowed communists to come into the country, and the Americans didn't want them there. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> but um, yeah, but it's horrible that that Russian roulette sequence. Yeah. Uh, but there's some great makeup stroke effects in there. Um, yeah. When one of the Southern Vietnamese guys that does it and kills it, he shoots himself in the head. And that, that blood just spurts from his side of his head, doesn't it? It's yeah. So uh, and likewise with the final one at the end. Um, yes. 
Yeah, Kim Sol, He's yeah. great as well, yeah. Mm. And that stuff is really well done. How they, how they rigged that up to get that blood to spread like that. It's just so, considering it's the 70s as well. Um, and sort of the tech, not just CGI, but the tech available for on-screen effects has improved so much over the years. Yeah. Um, I love De Niro in this sequence as well. And you see it going through his mind that he's, the, 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 he kind of found a possible way out of that torture for them. Uh, and I do... I do quite like the payoff on that scene where they sort of he shoots the um shoots the guy, yeah, uh, and they, uh, and then the whole helicopter sequence is really well done as well. Yeah, and you, the fact that you don't realise there's anything wrong with mm. Steve until they get back on the banks and he's like, I can't feel my legs, mm. and it's yeah. then you realise that something's happened when he's he's ended up in the water for the second time. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I did read as well that they did a lot of that, the stunts on that bit themselves as well, the cast. I'm sure I read somewhere. Because um, there is, they are, that's them hanging on underneath, isn't it? Um, yeah. So it's really, really, really well done, all that sequence. Um, what What were your thoughts on that, on that little bit? Because it, it, it's, yeah, it's very it's... quick. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very harrowing because mm. um, you can see that quite clearly Steve isn't strong enough because of yeah. what's happened to him. And you can yeah. just see him slipping away. And you yeah. know that... It's, and yeah, it's, yeah it's, um, it's Nick that goes underwater, isn't it, when they're in the, on yeah. the bit, of, bit of log? Yeah. So you, you, you get your first signs that he's quite drained as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah. at, at this point, I think Walken's performance is superb. Mm. It, it's yeah. not, obviously, it's not the sort of performance we've come to expect from Christopher Walken. Um, mm. He tends to play these slightly comedic roles mm. in more recent years, looking yeah. at Hairspray, even going back to the likes of Batman Returns. Mm. Um, despite him being the villain, he was still kind of... It was... Not comedic, but it wasn't on the, the sinister side of yeah. things. Um, well, we, we get some good idea that he's a bit messed up when um, we see him in, in Saigon at the hospital, don't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely when he can't remember anything. Yeah, and you think, oh, something's not right with him in there here. Yeah. Um, and then they're clearly just trying to get rid of him as well, and it's a rubber stamp is released. And then yeah. he's, he's obviously... He's looking for something that's missing from his life, isn't he? And that's where he ends up. Sort of, yeah. He gets into the sort of the um, the prostitute bar and, and the sort of gambling stuff that goes on the roulette. And then you're thinking, oh shit, they actually do this this roulette in Saigon as well. Yeah. Yeah, it, it becomes continuous, doesn't it, through this back portion of the the film? We see it multiple yeah. times. Yeah, he, he's looking for an edge, isn't he? After all his experiences, basically. Yeah. Um, that's the weird effect that the roulette obviously had on him, um, yeah. and that, that, that's paid off big time at the end. Uh, and yeah. then, of course, we get the sort of um, we find out the mics at that roulette, and that's where he, he spots me, and then they don't actually catch up. Uh, and everybody yeah. just bugs off right in the middle of that sort of roulette sequence. It's very strange yeah. this way that see, that um, that contest comes to an end. And then we get another of those massive jump cuts. Yeah, where we go from seeing Mike there trying to chase after Nick to him getting home and not going to his party. Yeah, and driving off, and then then deciding to go back. Yeah, 
yeah. So, um, so he, he clearly just wanted to get out of that quiet time. And of course, at this point, then we find out from through, through character interactions and stuff, and we're talking to characters that Nick has now gone AWOL at this point. So he obviously yeah. after that he covered off after that that roulette contest, um, which is going to set up that bit later on. Um, we get back to the plant again. When I feel hot again now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so hot and grimy. That, that, yeah. that, that, that plan. Um, I, I just finished when I was watching the film. I, I just noticed as an aside how different Mike is as a returning vet to um, this is something we've covered in one of our other podcasts to John Rambo. Yeah. Very different sort of returning vets, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, whereas. Uniform. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to... One of my notes is, does he literally not have any other clothes? Because <laughs> for about 30 minutes, that's all he wears. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I just that was an interesting aside. I thought how different that, that he is returning um, bet in this compared to, say, something like Rambo, who, who obviously yeah. came back a complete scruffy mess and never reintegrated. Um, and we find out as well, of course, then at this point that it, this is what is very interesting how they sort of they'd gone their separate ways during this war a little bit and post the war as well. How sort of Mike then learned that Steve is back as well. Yeah. Um, but again, what I did like about this whole sequence is how you see how the impact of the war on people who weren't even there. His wife yeah. Angela has gone a little bit mental as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Later on the bed, just doing weird stuff with that transistor radio. Yeah. Is she trying to tune in? Is she trying to listen? Or is she just listening for the static? And, she, and it's clearly seeing Steve like he is has completely had a massive effect on her. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that scene basically encapsulates me one of one of the themes of the film the film what the film is about. Because it isn't really about the Vietnam War itself, as opposed to the impact of things like war uh, and the damage it can leave with people. Um there's a scene early on at the wedding where I'd noted where um, one of the characters is sort of trying to do his tie in a cracked window, cracked window. And yeah. for me, that that scene when you watch the film back, that just completely sets up the themes that, that how people's lives are cracked as a result of this war. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, then we get some, just some little bits peppered in like that. That the ten pin bowling bit is just bizarre. Yeah, what, what an absolute dick. I'm just going to go underneath everything and let it come down on me because yeah. my ball hasn't come out. <laughs> you were. Yeah, so to speak. <laughs> His ball hadn't dropped. Yeah, it just, uh, I mean, you fell in. What do you think was going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> you have to get the jack to, to get you out of the damn thing. It's brilliant. Yeah. And of course, then, then we get some more deer hunting. And of course, the, the purpose of this, I think, is to show that the deer hunting doesn't have quite the same interest and joy for Mike now. Yeah. Where he has that shot of the buck and just and deliberately misses. Yeah. There's, there's nothing in it for him now. And that's another way of showing how the war has impacted on him. And then we, then we get that payoff, of course, about the pistol. And that's really well done. Because Cazale's character is a dick. Yeah, you know, he turns up for hunting with no stuff and expects to borrow boots and things like that, and he is a complete cop. Yeah, that character, isn't he? 
Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's horrible. Because to start with, when we first, you first Sorry. see him coming out of the factory and they're all being mean to him and you think, oh, that's, that's not nice. Yeah. And then you realise there's a reason why they're all mean to him. Cool. He's just a complete dick. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, it's, it's just not a nice way of conveying Mike's PTSD, I guess. Yeah. It's on the effect of playing Russian roulette and then you want to see what it's really like, he just shoves that gun in his face. <laughs> really do think yeah. he's going to shoot at one point. Oh. <laughs> Long after that, even Mike goes back. I just scribbled down here, airy chest time for when he gets back and he's sort of in bed now. <laughs> you see Rob's airy chest. Yeah. Yeah, even in the mirror, you can see yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And then we saw, because he's sort of just starting to wrap things up quite nicely. And then we see the sort of this, I mentioned the, the bit with Steve and when he gets to the hospital. And it's a real shock when you first see Steve. Yeah. He's in that chair and he's he looks like he's missing an arm as well, I think. Yeah. Because he's just the one armed on the side. Uh, and he's got no legs. I assume they shot that with his legs down inside that box or something. The back. I would box. imagine so. Yeah, yeah. Of course, these days they would they would just stick they'd wrap the sort of um, blue socks around him, wouldn't they, or green socks? Yeah, which I blue. believe they did to Lieutenant Dan in, in right, Forrest yeah. Gump. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So they sort of they covered his legs in in, in blue socks and just removed them. Yeah. Them. Um, and it's a really awkward, painful sequence that you really feel for Steve. He just he, he's clearly happier in that hospital than going back home. He doesn't want to go home at that point. Um, yeah. And I kind of feel sorry for him. He, he's got a right to be pissed for sort of Mike just, just wheeling him out of the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go home. <laughs> yeah, he's, he'd already told him he didn't. So yeah. Just let him be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, 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 because then, of course, then we cut to him um, going back to Saigon. I'm sort of rattling towards the end now. It, it does sort of pick up pace, doesn't it? To in the sort of the final hour, the sort yeah. of final half hour, anyway. It's sort of wrapping up my story. Uh, and, and the stuff with Saigon falling is quite nice. The, those last days of Saigon, very much like we saw in Afghanistan, where the Americans were just sort of packing everything up and going home. Um, because it's quite interesting. You, you goes back to that brothel, and it's empty now. Yeah, when we saw it earlier in the film, it was like full of GIs and, and punters, and like this. Now you've got all these prostitutes sitting around twiddling their thumbs, basically, because the Americans are all buggering off home. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was interesting. The French bloke was still about at this point. Yes, yeah, and he gets quite a bit of story at that in that back end. Yes, as yeah. well. Considering yeah. he'd only he'd only appeared for like five minutes earlier in the film. Hmm. Yeah, so he sort of wanted to, uh, to to get Mike over to the island. Oh, things on an island that doesn't bode well. Um, and then when you when he sees Nick there at that at that contest, Nick is completely gone. And you're thinking, what the hell has happened to him? Yeah, not even recognised Mike. And of course, it turns out he's a bloody heroin addict. Yeah. Now when we we see those marks on his wrists. Um, because it's so strange, he just doesn't even recognise. He's totally blank, smart, and you really. And then you get that that one shot line just before he kills himself, and that's really shocking. The first time I watched it, he actually does do that to himself. Yeah, did not see that coming either. I thought, not necessarily there's an app ending, but some somehow there's going to be some recognition in there, sort of. Yeah. 
and um, Michael talking down or something like that. But for him to actually go through with it, just completely caught me out the first time I saw it. Um, what do you think on that? Were you expecting that? No, I wasn't. Uh, honestly, my wife had warned me that it it was a, a dark and depressing film. And then I said, oh, I've watched it. Oh, she said so it's watched... Lisa Sinners. Oh, yeah, right. and I, I watched it in blocks. I did, as you said, hours with me being ill and my wife being ill. We've kind of tried to have to work around things over the last couple of days. So I've watched it in three blocks. I watched an hour yesterday morning, hour yesterday afternoon, and then the final hour this afternoon. Um, and I said to her, oh, I've got the last hour to watch. She went, oh, if you think the first two hours are depressing, the last one's even more so. <laughs> um, and I thought, oh, it's, it's quite depressing as it is, as I was going yeah. through it. And then to actually see him do it, yeah. And the way that they did it as well, um, it's just, it's really quite shocking. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, but it's very sort of, yeah, I could say very brutally done and very shocking. And then, of course, then we, we jump back again. We see when we're in the sort of final throes of the film now, which is beautiful. Um, and again, one of the other bits of the film that got flack, I think, is that sort of God Bless America sequence at the end. Um, yeah. which has got a slightly jingoistic feel to it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and because apparently there, there were sort of protests and everything at the time when the film came out. And even Oscar night, I believe, it sort of all ramped up towards Oscar night. Uh, and I could understand why, because there are bits of the film that do feel like that, even though it's not specifically about war, and I don't think it tries deliberately to take sides. There, there's still that feel about it. Yeah. And I think that would have possibly worked even work better if they'd have been even more quiet that that sequence back in the bar yeah yeah it, it kind of feels like the the second part of that earlier scene that you mentioned with the piano playing mm. um there's a couple of scenes like that that are, are kind of strange and and somber mm. throughout this even film this <laughs> even for this film yeah yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and then we, we get that we get that toast, and, and that's it, and, and the film ends, and, and we watch three hours of grimness in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And smelting. Um, so, so yeah, so uh, I guess we'll get some get some sort of summary and, and some scores. Yeah, uh, just a couple more notes for me. Uh, I I thought I I doubted that Meryl's first scene would make it past the the censors these days when she gets smacked. Right yes. at the beginning, I don't think that would be that would go past anybody anymore. Um, mm. I said that these late seventies films, which we've watched a, a few, um, both on this podcast and on uh, for the love of a franchise, and in recent years, they've all got a certain look to them mm. uh, and feel yeah. to them. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. I would liken the look to one we've watched on this show in in Rocky even though it's a completely different genre, they still have that same kind of dirty look to them. And, and that's, a, that's, that's the cameras and the film stock as well. Yeah. Everything is fine, the grain and stuff like that. And it does yeah. add to the experience. Yeah, so. yeah definitely. Um, what else have I got? Um, there's not a lot else. Um, I agree with you that all of a sudden they become prisoners of war. Um, despite the fact that we don't don't see a lot of it, mm. um, 
I thought Walken's performance um, was really great. He's uh, selling yeah. how confused he is about yeah. what he should do at times, and which mm. I thought was great. Um, and you really do get a feel for the war, despite the fact that we don't get a lot of it. Yeah. Um, the yeah, other thing... Flavor, you... don't we? Yeah, we got a yeah. flavour of it. Uh, the other thing, you bringing up the, the prostitutes club, the kid watching in the bath, was like, mm. oh, God, really? Is that how bad it was? <laughs> yes. Um, and I did say that once we got into the back portion of it, once we saw some of the issues that the war had caused, the film got better again. Um, mm. Because when he comes back, it does kind of lose its way a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought the scene between Streep and De Niro in the, the house when he first comes back is really awkward between mm. them. Um, and I'm sure yeah. it's meant to be. I'm sure it was played that way. Yeah. Um, but it, it really does show on screen. Um, yeah. I was like, how the hell did Steve survive um, with all those injuries, the, the brain injury, the leg injury, and as you mentioned, which I hadn't noticed that he was, he was also missing an arm. How the hell mm. did he survive it? I know. Um, I know. So yeah. there's that. And then um, I did say, I did mention when is Walken coming back at one stage because we don't see him for quite a while. Yeah. Um, yes. For about a good 40 minutes, we don't see him. Um, mm. And I said to, to my wife that it's strange because he seemed to be the heart of the film for long portions of it. Mm. Um, and that he isn't really credited that high up. He's about fifth or sixth on the cast list. That's right, yeah, um, yes, yeah. It's an early role for him, wasn't it? Like, yeah. yeah, and it, it just seems strange. And then once I watched that last hour, I was like, oh, that's why he's so low down on the cast list, because he's not mm. in it for a lot of the, the last section, um, mm. which was a shame. Um, but yeah, then my, my final notes, um, Jesus, what a depressing film, no happy ending. When this film is good, it's very good, but it's overly long and doesn't concentrate on its subject matter. Um, but I did mm. say Walken and De Niro are superb. I gave yeah. it 78 out of 100. I couldn't give it over 80 just because of how long it was and how it loses its way at times. Mm. Um, but when it is good, it's, it's superb. Well, that's, um, that's what that's, I mean, I, I've, I've landed on, on the 80%. I think I gave it four out of five, so I just ran that down. Um, but I, yeah, I would agree with what you said. The, the, it is ponderous at times. I, I do think it is about half an hour too long. Yeah. There, there are sec there are sections of each of the three hours that could probably have been trimmed down of the three yeah. acts, effectively, particularly the opening hour where we get almost too much set up with the characters. Uh, I love that title theme. I think that's really evocative. Um, but yes, like like yourself, it, I do think it is overlong and a bit ponderous time. But, but again, like you say, the, the performances are fantastic, pretty much across the board, but particularly De Niro and Walken are, are, are superb in it. Um, you feel the rage and the frustration, the anger of those guys and, and what they went through and sort of, and almost the cracks in their friendships as well that it, it causes as well. Um, but yeah, so I, I've gone a little bit, I said, I'll give it 80%. I mean, it's very well made. Um, but it's 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 a hard film to love, yeah, because it's quite grim and cold and detached at times. Definitely. Um, and I mean, I've seen it twice in full now, and I don't think it's a film I'd want to revisit again too soon. 
maybe in a few years, perhaps. Uh, I haven't seen it twice in a couple of years. I feel I feel sort of grimmed out on it now. <laughs> yeah. So right, so I suppose on, on that point now we should have a look at um what the next two are going to be. Yeah. Um, so and I'll over to you for that. Yep. So I've just set the first one going. And that is uh, 1981. So let's just search that. Ordinary people? Yes, it is. You are correct. Yeah. So I will set the next one going. And that is 1943. Wow. Mrs. Miller? Uh, yes. Yeah, you are correct again. <laughs> You've got them spot on this month. Wow, that's the first time I've guessed both of them. <laughs> yeah. This has been doing this. Oh, that's, yep. that's two, two very different, very interesting ones. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this in a minute because I don't, in fact, I don't think I've seen either of those completely. I've seen the odd five minutes, I think probably both of them. So I've never sat down and watched either of them properly. So that'll yep. be interesting. So, right. Well, I suppose on, on that note, um, I should just say uh, thank you, Paul, and good night to the listeners. And we'll catch you next month. Cheerio, folks.